Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With this Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, I have to ask right now before anyone else, are you in fact a real person? Yeah, right. I love that. Uh, did anyone think she was an imaginary person? What, what, what misconception was she exactly with Hillary Clinton exactly correcting there? Well, that's one of the uh, tweets you tweeted or retweeted out this weekend. You were on fuego, as the kids say, on the tweet, and how uh, the you noted that as Carly Fiorina rises, that uh, the media's attitude towards Carly has changed. Uh, mainstream media now rallying to Clinton due to fear and rise and horrifying realization that first woman president or VP could be Republican, tweets Bill Kristol. Yeah, I have been struck in the last week, maybe 10 days, that uh, with Carly Fiorina's rise, and maybe due to other things as well, I do think the mainstream media is rallying to the defense of Hillary Clinton. They were somewhat tough on her. The Clinton people beat them up for being tough. I think most of us would say fair and just reporting that she's running a miserable campaign and is a poor candidate and doesn't have much to say and, and you know, lied about her emails and so forth. But uh, the Clinton people were claiming this was media bias against them. And now you suddenly you're getting piece after piece. Oh, Hillary Clinton, you energized. Um, the CNN reporting of their poll this morning had Hillary Clinton, I can't remember how they put it, uh, sort of surging or making significant A market gains. improvement. Market improvement yes. against Sanders and Biden. Every change in that poll is within the margin of error of the last poll. It's a basis. She's at 42 now, Biden at 22, Sanders at 20. I don't think one would have said a month or two ago that that was very good for Hillary Clinton, who started off at 60 and everyone else was a single digits. So and they, they really are bending over backwards to try to uh, um, give Hillary a boost or save Hillary. Um, and I do think a lot of it has to do with Carly Fiorina. The horror among liberal media, uh, feminists for that matter, Democrats of all stripes, if the first uh, uh, president, a female president or vice president for that matter uh, is a pro-life uh, woman who's a pretty tough uh, debater and a pretty staunch conservative, that would just, they, I don't know, could they, could they stand that? I mean, Margaret, the, the equivalent of uh, the left went really crazy in Britain, because of Margaret Thatcher, I mean, people forget that. They were sort of more moderate before her, and one reason was they couldn't stand the notion that she was the, the female conservative prime minister who was doing a good job. Uh, here, with identity politics so much more advanced, the idea of Carly Fiorina uh, being the first woman nominee conceivably in a year when it was all set up for Hillary Clinton, I don't think they could stand that. Well, Bill, when you say woman, of course, you mean outsider, because as you tweeted <laughs> out Hillary Clinton's statement, I can't imagine anyone being more of an outsider than the first woman president. Nice of Hillary to make the case for Carly Fiorina, says at Bill Crystal. I mean, Hillary Clinton now claiming to be an outsider. It, it, what a campaign. I mean, you and I have been through this a few times and seeing candidates sort of flounder and then they get advice and they, they, they don't sort of gracefully or even uh, ungracefully but sort of decisively move to their new position. This is the clunkiest kind of... Uh, you know, when I was there in the Bush White House in '92, the first Bush White House, when George Bush read off the card he had been given, George H. W. Bush, "Message, I care." <laughs> and, and don't you think that I really think Hillary Clinton? All she needs to say is, you know, "Message, I am an outsider," or "Message, I am a real person." <laughs> well, the people who are voting for her don't care. I mean, her she her base is very similar to the Trump base, and that they are impervious to information. And uh, speaking of uh, Donald Trump, he's also unhappy with Carly Fiorina. Uh, he uh, says no way Fiorina can become the Republican nominee. Boxer killed her for sent in California. But who replied, oh, contraire, real Donald Trump? Carly Fiorina has a precedent. Nixon lost 62 California race when presidency six years later. It's our good friend Bill Kristol. 
I mean, well, two things on that. Yeah, I do think Hillary and Trump, it's somewhat similar in that their, 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 their fans are loyal. On the other hand, in both cases, there has been erosion now that as reality hits. I, I was reassured by the last, I'll say this is a parenthesis, by the last Republican debate or by the reaction to it in the sense that I think most of us watching it thought that Trump hadn't done well, Carson had done pretty miserably, and that uh, of the others, Fiorina and Rubio had probably been the strongest. And sure enough, in the CNN poll Sunday morning, um, Trump and Carson were down some, and Fiorina and Rubio were up. So it was a little reassuring that maybe there is a reality out there, and, and you know, some of us aren't just going crazy thinking we're seeing things that we, that we aren't seeing. Um, but as for, as for Trump, yeah, Trump going after Carly is interesting. He obviously is a little worried about her. Uh, I was just uh, playing around with the analogy, but it, it, it is, I was just thinking, well, she lost the Senate race, and now she's running for president six years later. And, of course, many people who've run for president have lost races. Um, but actually, Nixon, is, is, in a way, is a more precise analogy. Obviously, he's not like Carly Fiorina in a million different ways. He's been vice president, et cetera, but, uh, and a senator and a congressman. But he did run for governor of California, the same state, in 62. Kind of an embarrassing defeat to Pat Brown. Uh, he was supposed to be finished. And six years later, he's the Republican nominee for president and then the president. So uh, I don't think I don't know that that will happen with Carly Fiorina. And as I say, circumstances are wildly different and the individuals are wildly different. But it is, uh, it is just sort of funny for Donald Trump, who's never been elected to anything, to be attacking Carly Fiorina because she took a shot in a very tough state and, and lost. Uh, yes, but uh, she doesn't have Donald Trump's wild business success, you know, where he's only declared bankruptcy four times. So I think that that's another reason he has to step up and take on Carly. Yeah, good point. I mean, I don't know how much her uh, stewardship of, of HP will hurt her or help her. I don't, you know, I think it may end up being kind of a wash. It's controversial, but uh, she was CEO of a business that it was a very tough times for, the, for some of those businesses in that industry. Um, she made some cuts. She put out a merger. She was a tough boss, it sounds like, and alienated the board. Maybe the board was part of an old boy network. Maybe not. Um, I think people will debate that a lot. Boxer, Senator Boxer, used effectively against her in the 2010 campaign in California, um, an ad that had you know, her laying off 30,000 people as she uh, was very well compensated and bought a yacht and then mm-hmm. uh, ended up with a golden parachute. And that, that could hurt some. But my sense is that those attacks hurt if, if the candidate gives the impression of being out of touch, just something that Romney did already. And also in Romney's case, they were taking over companies at Bain for what seemed like the main purpose of it was to get, you know, cut the payroll so they could make more money and resell it. Here, she became CEO of an actual company, and so we did her best to make it uh, profitable and, and, and give it a good, good prospects for the future. So I think she's got some vulnerability on the business front, but not maybe not as much as people would think, well, this is just Mitt Romney redox. Right, and you also have this uh, moment where you're seeing voters are willing to set aside some uh, concerns, Donald Trump being the perfect example, for the chance to win. And there's such a focus on winning. And I think that brings us back to uh, Hillary Clinton, because remember the great moments in political history, Bill. I am not a crook, Richard Nixon. I did not have sex with that woman, Bill Clinton. And now I am a real person, Hillary Rodham Clinton. So there you go. Three for three. Yeah, saying this is a good point you make, and saying I am X or I am not X, I suppose, or I did not do X, maybe never a good a good thing to be uh, to be saying. I, I don't know. I think Joe Biden will get in in about two weeks, um, and it will be very interesting to see then how much or if at all the the polls move, how vulnerable Hillary's support is to being snatched off by Joe Biden, and then I then we have a debate, a Democratic debate, October thirteenth. 
it's interesting, we've all been so much talking about the Republicans, as we should have been for the last two months, kind of an amazingly volatile, fluid, un- unformed race. Really nothing like that in modern history for the Republicans. Maybe the only presidential race like that that I can think of, the 1976 Democrats with many candidates, you know, many of whom seem to be plausible nominees, and Jimmy Carter, who seemed like one of the less plausible ones, winning the nomination. Even then, I, I didn't follow it that closely back then. I, I imagine we had much less, you know, frequent polling. Right. But, but I mean, the degree to which people can go from, you know, 18% or whatever Walker was at, leading the field to, to, to an asterisk in about three months, and, and people can go in one week from three to 14, I think that's what Fiorina did. It really shows how fluid and, and volatile it is. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing, incidentally. I think if I, you know, Republican voters are undecided among many of these candidates, and many of them are plausible to almost every Republican, uh, somewhat different subsets, you know, but I, uh, and very few people have one favorite the way they might have had, you know, Bush in 2000 or McCain or Romney or, or Steve Forbes or, you know, Buchanan or all the kind of candidates we're familiar with. And so there's a huge amount of bouncing around. It, it means that candidate skills matter. It means that fluke events uh, can matter a lot. But anyway, I think the Republican race will remain very interesting and unpredictable. But suddenly the Democratic race is going to get interesting. If Biden gets in, then there's a debate on October 13th. And then I think the question will be, if Biden doesn't really take off, does someone else get in? I've got to think John Kerry is, is champing at the bit. Um, Elizabeth Warren is, is there, and you'd think she might be uh, thinking that she'd be stronger than any of the ones currently in the field. So uh, be, it'll be a very interesting next two months in presidential politics. And it raises the question, people keep asking, does Joe Biden have the stomach, the heart, the energy to, to gut out a presidential campaign? If Biden gets in and suddenly it's a truly wide open race, does Hillary Clinton have the guts and stomach to, to get down in the, you know, the delegate to de- per delegate fight again like she did in 2008? You know, that is a good point. I mean, she became a better candidate in 2008 once she got behind and once it wasn't a coronation and she slugged it out with uh, Barack Obama through all those big states and, you know, and held her own, obviously. Can she do that? Uh, will, you know, eight years later, having been Secretary of State, I don't know. It's a very, you know, you're right. Everyone's asking the question about Biden, but in a way, the better question to ask probably in mid-October is going to be, how does Hillary Clinton do now that it's a real race, a multi-candidate race in which uh, you suddenly have to make your case in a somewhat complicated uh, mix of candidates, not just sort of be the front runner and brush aside occasional you know, uh, sniping from, from someone who's not quite a credible nominee. And then one last thing to ask you about. The Weekly Standard has joined many in the conservative media community to talk about the passing of uh, Jake Brewer, uh, married to Mary Catherine Ham. Many of us know her, obviously, through the conservative media, et cetera, and, and uh, the folks at Weekly Standard have been acknowledging his passing. Well, Mary Catherine worked here for a couple of years, and, and I, uh, Susan, and I went to Jake and Mary Catherine's uh, wedding, and it's a horrible thing, obviously. A 34-year-old guy who's just a wonderful person, really a decent and kind, uh, impressive guy. I didn't know him really well, but I obviously I knew him some. And the young, younger people here who are Mary Catherine and Jake's age were you know, very close friends of Jake and are very close friends of Mary Catherine's. And so uh, in, a, in a charity ride uh, you know, for cancer, he was a fantastic athlete, a triathlete, and something went horribly wrong, and the bikes, I guess, skittered into the uh, traffic coming the other way, and uh, and uh, he was killed. So it was just a terrible shock over the weekend. And um, she's a wonderful woman and a very strong uh, young woman. Uh, they have one baby and uh, a second on the way. So um, you just it's uh, but it's hard to you know hard to make sense of that kind of thing, frankly. 
and it puts everything else into perspective and uh, just wanted to give our best and our prayers to the family. Uh, Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us for this Weekly Standard Podcast. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.